Hello and welcome to the Outer World Podcast. I'm your host Nick and I'm here with my co-host Daniel Real. Hey guys, good to be here. And today we have a special guest, Rowan Simmons. Hiya, yeah, good to be on. Cool. Good to have you, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. So we've been, we've been wanting to have you on for quite a while. Um, yeah, you've actually been on a lot of our discussions. Yeah. I have noticed that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah so um, I don't know, just, uh, just give us a little bit about yourself, how you got started in Flesh and Blood and kind of what you like about the game. Yeah. So, Flesh and Blood is actually my first ever TCG. I collected Pokemon cards back in, like, primary school. And that, you know, you open Pokemon cards and you, like, give them to people and stuff. But, But, like, never played. Yeah, never. I'd never played anything. Does anyone Um, play them? (laughs) Pretty controversial. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Right? Starting starting off on a high note there, Nick. Um, Yeah, so I came in to uh, learn to play at Dice Jar. And... Uh, yeah, I think both of you two were there. Yeah, so um, yeah. I, I think I was it me. Yeah, it was you. It wasn't me because I, I, I taught, you I taught Liam like... and Josh. Yeah, I didn't right. teach because it was you and Bo that came in. Right? It was yeah. So I came in with I, a, I came in with a friend. We came into Dice Jar looking just for dice, um, as is implied by the name. But yeah, we came in on the Friday. The learn to play was the Saturday the next day, and we both decided we wouldn't come in alone. Um, so we. Pulled mm-hmm. each other in on the Saturday and sat down to play just with the starter decks. I yeah. played on the first day, obviously, the Ira deck, which was all of the craze at the Learn to Play days. Um, mm-hmm. I also played a Katsu and a Dorinthia straight out of the deck. And so the, the, starter, bo- the starter decks, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you, that you can't get anymore, but you could get then. Back, um, back in the day. Back in the good old days. So, yeah, I played a couple of games there probably lost horrifically every single one of them but it just took something over in my mind that made me think that this was something that was a lot of fun and was very similar to a lot of the things that I enjoyed about like Dungeons and Dragons and board games and that sort of thing so that's what got me coming back yes so um I guess you've got kind of a a somewhat unique perspective down here and that you've never played any other card games yeah what kind of yeah most people played like, yeah, most people that are from down here have played some sort of TCG. Like, yeah. uh, like usually too. most people that play have played Flesh and Blood and aren't like brand new to a TCG. They've had some sort of like depth into another TCG. Yeah, no, I was um, fully blank slate. Yeah. No mm. idea what things were, no idea mm. how TCGs generally worked or anything like that. I had just it looked interesting. I yeah. had fun playing and friend and I were like, Okay, let's let's yeah. get into this. Just start yeah. out, see how we go. Yeah, yeah like um I'm just kind of interested what um was there anything in particular that like leapt out at you as that made flesh and blood be something that you were interested in and that you wanted to like do as a hobby um so for me coming into flesh and blood one of the first things that grabbed me was the art which was ab- and is absolutely stunning like yeah. just looking at the cards is honestly such a phenomenal experience the art yeah. and the artists are absolutely top tier um but for me i'm in other aspects of my gaming life as much as i have a gaming life i'm a bit of a i'm a bit of a uh, min maxer in general okay. i'm very much into the pvp type build stuff to go one-on-one yeah. and so you was it like the equipment and stuff yeah like crafting that, your own deck yeah it was it was also just the idea of you know going into combat with someone and mm. they're definitely being a victor there's none yeah. of that equivocalness of ending conflict another way, which yeah. is, you know, a great part of things like Dungeons and Dragons and like games that are more focused on role playing and world building and that sort of thing. But yeah. there's something that's really like viscerally exciting about going into a matchup with someone knowing that yeah. one of you has to go down. Yeah. I, to me, Flesh and Blood really captures that idea of like a, a war, like a battle between two people. Yeah. You, you start with all your resources everything up and you're in this you're like locked in this attrition war where you try and break down your opponent's defenses and i think it kind of more than any other game really gets that across yeah yeah um yeah i mean for me um what i think really sells that is how interactive you have to be with your opponent yeah because that was the other thing right is that for me before i came into flesh and blood like 
trying to figure out card games was a very intimidating thing just because obviously games like Magic, games like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, those sorts of things are very well established. There yeah. is years yeah. and years and years of meta and releases and everything yeah. to try. And that's and the really good thing about Flesh and Blood is when you did start, like the game yeah. was... It was Wraith and nothing game. else. Yeah, it yeah. was yeah. still very fresh, which yeah. means everyone else I, was creating the experience. Okay. No, no, I, no, not at that point. Not at the point that I started. It was just Wraith, Wait, I think. Wait, no. No, Arcane Is Arcane out? Oh, yeah, because it was post-COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Post-COVID, so Arcane yeah. was. Oh, okay. Um, cool. Yeah, but... Yeah, I can kind of see what you're saying. Like, yeah. um, with Magic, um, or I mean, especially with Yu-Gi-Oh, there are like a million different deck choices. Yeah. But with Flesh and Blood back then, and s- still now, it's like, do you want to be a rogue? Do you want to be a warrior? Do you want to be a ninja? like it's still like yeah even things. even now with more heroes yeah. you can still know exactly what each hero is and how yeah. they do things i think that's for me one of my favorite things about having a young and old hero yeah. is that there's that consistency tracing through yeah. which for me is really helpful it's hard to keep track of so much mm-hmm. stuff all at once so recognizing names and faces over and over again is yeah do you remember your experiences with the first few armories that we that you had oh <laughs> yep Yep, so the first few armories that I came to, it was it was really good. I remember facing off against first armory, my first game, against one of the long-standing flesh and blood people in Dunedin, which was Kenny Forrester. I, um, I have some <laughs> Yep, yep. So I remember playing my first game with Kenny and him just, like, absolutely decimating me. Like, yeah. there was no two ways about it. It was, like, three turns or something like that, and that was yeah. just him warming up. Yeah. And I was absolutely yeah. gone. That, um, yeah, it is one of the things about the game when you start is that the the skill gap between someone that is new and someone that has played for a while it's quite yeah. is 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 really large and it yeah. can feel quite difficult to understand yeah. why you're losing. Yeah. So I don't know if you remember how this game ends. So you 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 lose, yeah, of course. Badly. Uh, yeah. Do you remember what happened like in the first few seconds after? I I remember. I remember him turning around and you saying. He he turned around, yeah. got off the chair, walked away, came over to us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, <laughs> go back over there and start talking. And he's yeah. like, oh, no, I'm good. I don't want to. And I went, I don't, I was like, honestly, I don't care what you want. Like, yeah. if you I, don't I go remember... talk to her and tell her what happened or show her what happened, explain to her what happened or anything, she's just going to turn away from this game. Like, Yeah, that's, that's what I remember like, you saying is if, if, if you guys and if the environment wasn't welcoming, that I just wouldn't come back. Yeah. And I mean, that's, 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 that's for, for any player. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I find, like, if I ever play against someone new, I want to talk to them after the game. I want to explain where they went wrong. I want to ex- yeah. show yeah. them things. Because if you don't, then it just breeds, like, uh, I'm not good. I don't understand. I can't pick this game it's up. It's like... I don't want to invest in this game. Yeah. You know? it's, that's one of the things, right? Like, if you get matched up against someone that's new, it is a free win for you, right? Yeah. Because... I mean, if you know the game, you know the systems, and they don't, you're at a, a massive advantage. Yeah. But you, I think it should be your responsibility, um, yeah. you know, if you want to see the game succeed, to try and help them, um, yeah. you know, increase their skills and, and feel like they can improve and eventually reach where you are. Yeah. Because um, that's the thing that I remember most, right? That's really what keeps me coming back was the fact that game after game that I was absolutely getting my butt handed to me was every time I did, whoever I was facing up, if they were more experienced than me, which was pretty much everyone at that point, yeah. was giving me pointers, like walking me through where I'd messed up or where yeah. I could improve yeah. or why they did that thing rather than this thing, yeah. um, which as a new player coming through, not you know, not just into flesh and blood, but also just into TCGs. That was something I was really nervous about coming into a space that is really dominated by men as, you know, someone who does not look like someone who would play TCGs. I fully accept that about myself. But that was one thing I was really anxious about coming through. And that's the really important thing about the flesh and blood community that I've experienced is that by and large, everyone is wanting to share the game and enjoy yeah. the game yeah. and welcome in new people, which is absolutely phenomenal for me. Yeah. Like it makes all the difference. So this was like one of my core values of like when, when the Dunedin scene really started up is I wanted to push for welcoming new players like heavily like that. Like 
it just drives the community so much yeah. more yeah. here. Like, let's say Kenny didn't didn't say anything to you and we went away, and you did come back and play again and again and again. You don't advance. Mm. Like slowly you advance, but you yeah, don't. Yeah. The, you the talking makes you advance so much more. The yeah. more you advance, the more we advance. The more yeah. like you know we bring each other up rather yeah. than. Yeah. I mean, like learning how to play Flesh and Blood or any TCG really is like riding a bike. You got to go. You got to go through the gauntlet. You know. Yeah. You're gonna fail time yeah. and time again. And I mean, I I was lucky because I was one of the first few people that picked up in the area. I already had played TCGs for much of my life as when I was a young child. Yeah. So I could take to it and I had that knowledge already. But for someone that doesn't, they um they it's hard to learn initially where you where you're falling off the bike, right? Yeah. So well and cuz that you said running the gauntlet and that was pretty much my experience was for months, every game I played, I was losing and often mm. losing really, really badly. Like I went, mm. I don't even know how many months I went without winning one mm. game at Armory. Like it was, yeah. it was really, it could have been really disheartening to keep coming back and losing and feel like you're not improving. But with the encouragement from the people who were playing locally and who were better than me, I mm. did actually start to see, even though I was losing, I did start to closer, yeah. You yeah. start to see turns where where I once would have made this mistake or that mistake. You start yeah. seeing how you can yeah. pick it up, and that's yeah. and really I, important. I think one of the main things people realize is they they start to play the game with a plan. Whether like initially it's like just understanding what the cards do. Yeah. Eventually they put the pieces together and go well. If I play this card together with this card, and even if they don't win the game, they're like, well, I made a really good plan or a really good turn here and that made the game closer if yeah. I continue to learn like that but yeah of course I mean, you're through the gauntlet now yeah and now massive you're kudos you've come from yeah. someone with no experience to being yeah. probably one of the better players in Dunedin like I'd, in all honesty top like top five I, I would have yeah. a very difficult time picking like if I had to start from scratch I didn't know anything about these juice I'd find flesh and blood incredibly intimidating and grueling to start learning to play yeah um and I think it is a you know a major strength of the community that lots of people recognise this. Yeah. But yeah, so obviously you're you've run through the gauntlet, yeah. And now you're trying to. I think you've kind of joined us and many other members of the community trying to help other new players. So, kind of, what does it seem like to be kind of at the other end? <laughs> it, it feels weird just because, you know, I went from probably less than a year ago really just over a year ago losing every game I was playing to coming through and top eighting in a handful of events and then coming top four in the recent Dunedin skirmish and yep. still like it feels you know you catch yourself at normal armories making really good plays and then making these really beginner mistakes yeah and that's that's the thing right is that with TCGs and with especially flesh and blood always growing and developing you know mm. you're never you're never going to be an expert yeah. so that's that's something that I'm trying to bring to those newer players as well yeah. is that mistakes don't they're a growing part of the game yeah every, exactly every mistake you if, make if, is yeah. a lesson to make you better you can't right? become better without, without making those so, mistakes yeah. right yeah. and that's that's the thing that I feel like a lot of that's something that I struggled with when I was starting was sometimes you make the same mistake over and over and over again mm -hmm. but every time you do it reinforces the way that you could yeah. make that mistake better yeah. um you know it's that saying try again fail again fail better yeah, yeah you know exactly, that's right. that's really the whole that's yeah. really been my experience with flesh and blood yeah. um yeah. yeah and that's how i'm trying and to bring up those newer players now as well yeah and i think it's um uh something kind of unique to card games like um in relation to like making mistakes is like say you play chess right the the rules are very this is how the game works this move in this situation is always a mistake but with a card card game because new sets are coming out people even without new sets people start playing the game differently with, with different decks yeah the the mistakes over time change and there are new mistakes that can be made where there weren't before yeah right yeah. um 
So, plays that might have been like the best optimal play and now I'm a mistake, you know? Yeah, exactly, you know? right? Well, and or, the other way around. Like when I started actually building decks and going through and not just playing with the starter deck but changing stuff out with mm. stuff I'd opened, things people had given me. Yeah. I remember running Red Overpower. Uh, yeah. And being told by Dan, being I told by in, Kenny, I Liam. I said in no uncertain terms, <laughs> uh, something along the lines of, don't play Red Overpower. Yeah. Play something. Play anything but Red Overpower. Yeah, because, yeah. well, at, at the time, I think I was correct. Because oh, yeah. I think at that the was, time, that was the main, that, was, yeah, was, exactly, right? Was more important in a build, that, which means that was you just, didn't have the resource, right? At the time, mm. the way the game was played, um, um, Warrior was much more about stacking the cheap cards. You wanted lots of red cards and not many blues. Um, but now Warrior's kind of shifted, and Red Overpower is a, is a fan favorite now. Yeah. So, yeah. like... Yeah, because I remember playing that at Dunedin Armouries and absolutely people knew that i was running red overpower but you take that out of dunedin where the meta hasn't accounted for that necessarily the way that small yeah, play yeah. groups do and stuff like that you take that to bigger national events or anything like that like the calling and suddenly red overpower means a lot more with people yeah. who don't play around it all the time um yeah. so that was that that was one of my favorite Changes that's come around. like kind of one of your pet cards, right? Yeah. You oh yeah. It, like, Every um, deck I build for Dorothea has at least yeah. one red overpower. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, I gotta. Like on one hand, you're mad. <laughs> on the other hand, I really respect it. Like, yeah. I was I was dedicated to making it work. It didn't matter if it failed ninety percent of the time. Yeah. The ten percent felt real good. Yeah. I mean, like. Um, for me, my pet card is Potion of Strength. Um, and usually I chuck it places where it shouldn't be. And then I end up <laughs> taking it out because it's not good. Yeah. But every now and then you find a place where it is good. You know, um, like when we found it. Ira. Found, found its place in Ira. You know, it was, you know, so I, th I think it is good to have some cards you really like and, you know, experiment with. Yeah. Because sometimes you find something that other people have missed. Yeah. You know, and... You were light years ahead. <laughs> Everyone, yeah. You know, there we I go. I was wrong. ahead of the meta. You, were ahead you of heard the it meta. here first. You, you knew no. well ahead of time. Yeah. Red Overpower was a real mm -hmm. card. Yeah. Yeah. No. So that was, and that was, you know, one of the things that really did st stick with me was the fact that you know, mm. you do have to adjust decks as you go. I think for yeah. a long time I was really trying to force through one particular way of doing it just because that was, you yeah. know, what I was seeing was doing well, what other people were saying was doing well, but I I can't look at deck lists. I really struggle to just copy a deck list yeah. and go off of that. So for me, I have to put together a deck from scratch and really look at what how yeah. I want to play the game. Yeah, That's the most important thing for me is that's why Red Overpower is in there. That's why... Mm -hmm you know, this card isn't in there or that card is, that sort of thing. Like, yeah. I'm building out my deck to play the game I want to play. Yeah. And if it happens to be successful, that's great. Yeah. But for me, the it's the fun of playing the game that keeps me coming back. Yeah, cool. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I talked to Dan about this like a couple, probably yeah, like a couple of weeks back. I said, I, like, like, at some point, you've gone from a casual player, like an actual casual player, to a competitive player, you know, I haven't noticed the change, like, until, like, like it's well and truly, like, you are well and truly a competitive player down here. There's no denying it. Mm. Like, it, it is fundamental. You, you can't even say you're not a competitive player. You are. Like, it's, <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, at some point, something, like, has clicked in your head and changed for you how you play, and you've you've made that mind mm. change. Like, is there anything, like... Lead? I want to say, like, is there is there anything that, like, that flicked a switch? It? Where yeah. It was yeah. Like, you because because to us the way it, way we saw it was you'd kind of you you'd play well but you usually come like two two in an armory mm. and then suddenly one week i'm like playing in the finals playing in the finals playing in the finals playing in the quarterfinals like yeah. week after week and i was like crap i'm losing some of the time <laughs> you know which which you know um you know nick and i we usually end up losing to each other and and liam is kind of the common situation yeah. so mm. Was there anything that kind of like clicked that 
you know, that helps you like win more, I guess. I think for me, the thing that helped me win more was that I stopped playing other people's games and started playing mine. Okay. That was the biggest shift for me was that when I was learning to play and when I was starting out, you know, coming into that like 2-2 space, yeah. I was really formulating my strategy around, around what they were doing. my yeah. opponent. Yeah. So you're like, oh, he's being so aggressive, was, I'll be defensive. Yeah, so I was really formulating my game plan based on how they came into yeah. it. So you're being quite, quite reactive. Yeah. You know, being like, yeah. I guess like maybe like overusing your shunts and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. so the change for me, I think, really came in when I decided that I was going to start playing the game my way, which... Mm -hmm in some ways meant becoming more aggressive in terms yeah. of building out a so, more aggressive yeah. deck, but also in terms of forcing people to make moves that they wouldn't necessarily like to make. Yeah. So on a hand, so I'm a Duranthia main, she's my girl. Yeah. But, we'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> but like on a hand where I yeah. can't actually do that much, yeah. it's forcing them to think that I can do more than yeah. I am able so, to do. Just to clarify, kind of like, how would you classify like your style of play like you've said that a couple times that it's to be aggressive to be proactive but how do you do that like what the, what is the game plan so for me i think this this is one of the the good things about coming into it as a dorinthia player is that you really learn the benefit of playing the mind game yeah. with your opponent because anyone who knows dorinthia knows that it's all about what could be added on top it's never really about what comes first yeah. For 90% of the time. So yeah. learning to play that mind game and make people think. Often your opponent's, what's in your opponent's head is way scarier than whatever is in your head. Exactly. You know? So that's, yeah, that was really the the way that I started thinking about my, about my games and about my matches and about yeah. the way I wanted to play was that I wanted to force people to think more than I was thinking. Yeah. Really. Definitely. And that's, that's about totally valid strategy yeah. you know if your opponent's working harder than you are then you're it's a good, a good shot at winning right yeah um you know you want to keep your opponent guessing yeah yeah exactly yeah so i guess this leads on to onto dorinthia yeah you are a dorinthia main uh, and you she's are my girl. unapologetic you yeah. do not outside of blitz I, I think you've only played dorinthia in classic constructed i yeah i don't know if i've ever i think i built a reinar deck that I ran for a little did, bit yeah. just because I'd played Dorinthia for so long that I was getting a little bit burned out doing it just because mm -hmm. it felt like the deck hadn't really changed. Even though I was moving stuff around, it just felt like I was doing exactly the same thing that a million other people were doing and that yeah. it was starting to become less enjoyable. Yeah. So I traded it out. I thought, what is a deck that sounds stupid fun? And I built a KO for Blitz. Mm -hmm. Um which went about as well as anyone would expect a KO to go. So, you know, yeah. you know. <laughs> ups, ups and downs, mostly downs. Um, and I oh, thought, three? Yeah. yeah, and then I thought, this is, this is kind of fun. I'm kind of liking this. So I talked to uh, a couple of people. I talked to Dan. I talked to Liam, who is obviously well, like uh, a... Playing a lot of brute at the time. Yeah, who so. was absolutely like the brute Jesus in Dunedin. Um <laughs> So I just put together a really shitty brute deck with the cards that I had at home, which was like one majestic, I, I think it was like a massacre or something like that. Like mostly commons, barely like, like two copies of each card type thing. Mm -hmm. And I brought it in and I got my ass handed to me and Liam pulled it out of my hands and he looked at it and he said, nothing was what he, was what he did. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, took it apart, traded for some cards, put in some new stuff and played that for a little bit. Yeah. And that really helped reset me coming into like skirmish season Blitz Dorinthia, which yeah. I pulled apart, entirely changed around and yeah. had a phenomenal time playing yeah. for a long time. Um, and that's cool. the deck list that ultimately ended up top eighting for skirmish in Dunedin. Yeah. Uh, top fouring, I think I ended up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then... Yeah, I've been back to been back to my girl ever since. Mm, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brute is an interesting class because yeah. I, I, if you know a new player asks me what they want to play, 
the the first thing I say is just just pick one that looks interesting to you. But yep. if they want to know if, what one's easy to play, what one should I start with? The one furthest down the line to, for me to suggest is Brute. Yep. Because the deck, it looks like a big dumb deck where you just hit them, but the interactions are very complicated yeah. and the deck is very reliant on its expensive cards. Well, that's, that's what I found as well was that for me, Reinar especially is worlds away from Dorinthia. With Dorinthia, yeah. I want my whole hand every turn. I want to be pressuring damage and threatening damage every turn, yeah. whereas Brute is blocked with two or three cards, come in for club, save up for those one or two huge turns, yeah. which I think and really helped with it, the reset. It's even, like, Brute has even gone to be even more extreme now yeah. with the clause builds, where it's just saying, all right, you can play the majority of the game by yourself, I'll just block, and then I'll, I'll get my big hand, and then... Yeah, and just you just come in with the, the restart, the, stoppy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly right. Like it's a it's a combo deck that tries to hit you twice for a large amount, and then the rest is just stall. Yeah. With a warrior is like, the pressure, the onus is on you. I'm gonna hit you very hard every turn. Yeah, it's your decision how much you're taking. Like that's that's yeah. the thing that really drew me to warrior in a lot of ways. Is yeah. like I said at the start, I love that PVP like cage yeah. match type thing yeah. and warrior really hits all war of those war buttons warrior's the vice you know yeah. she grabs you and goes yeah and squeezes right yeah. yeah so that's yeah that's what keeps bringing me back is new and interesting and fun ways to force people to overthink their game yeah yeah yeah, yeah. people who play you know who don't normally play warrior have always said to me it always seems like you have to think so much yeah. But for me, Warrior has just become this phenomenal, mindless game of, is it going to be 9 <laughs> or is it going to be 12? How yeah, many yeah. times am I hitting you? Yeah, when, when, we, when we do tend to lose to you, it's, it's to the red overpower. It's to the big, big attacks that we can't really do anything about, that yeah. we can't play around in that specific moment. And they just come through and, you know, that's the, it's over, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, yeah, I think Warrior just does such a, a great job. But it's very different to the to the way I played Warrior in the past, where when I was playing Warrior a lot, and you know, for a long time I was known for my Warrior play, was I would play it more like a mid-range deck, where I would play with my opponent, and I would play to my Tunic Shunts, and basically just play for value. You know, I would try and get value from the mind games, like, like you do, but the idea was just to put myself in a position late game where my opponent would just be crushed, you know? So it was... You know, more like a garbage compactor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once, once you're in deep, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, I remember you. I remember trying to get some advice from you when I was starting off right. playing, and I was yeah. saying, you know, why am, why is it that as my game goes on, it's just becomes their game, um, yeah. and it was just because at the time the deck I was trying to play, the way that I was playing it was just that I was giving away all of my threats without saving yeah. anything for later so that was a number one tip that i got was if you give away all your threats at the start you've got yeah. nothing to finish the game with yeah exactly right. which has like completely flipped now and that now my deck is very aggressive um but, but you still have those threats to save away right? yeah it's all you about still got the overpowers the routes for the end game yeah 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 so that's it moving moving on uh yeah are you going to be attending nationals this year or are you hoping to attend nationals this year i am hoping to attend nationals i unfortunately didn't get to go for 2020 hashtag student life yeah. um, did you register were you one of the players that registered yeah, yeah. no i did not no. register i was i was not that there was guy. a couple of dunedin players um, that registered there were. did not yeah. show up <laughs> <laughs> yep so there were some buys going around for dunedin um i did qualify for nationals but at the time that everything was going on it was just coming up to an unfortunate collision of everything yeah. for me so I, I wasn't able to make it but that's absolutely a goal of mine this yep. year is to go because for me big events like that obviously I want to go and I want to do well and I mm. want to you know make my mark and all of that sort of thing but for me the best part about tournaments like that is the learning experience getting to yeah. see how people build outside of Dunedin how people yeah. play outside of Dunedin and just the way that our meta goes up against the meta from Nelson or Wellington mm -hmm. or Auckland and how it 
yeah. stacks up and is different in some yeah. ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. De- definitely. Like I, um, I always try and encourage people to go to these events as a as a learning experience. Like, hey, you probably won't win. Yeah. You know, um, if you're if you're newer to the game, then a lot of people have a lot of experience on you. They might have a better deck. But hey, even so, go. You know, you'll learn a lot. You'll meet some really cool new people. And you'll probably have a blast, you know. Yeah. Well, worst comes to worst, you get to play at least a day's worth of your favourite game, yeah. really. For, yeah. for me, at least. Like, exactly. I get to go and have a full day just having an absolute blast playing, mm. for me, the best TCG in the world. Yeah. And getting to share that with other people. Yeah. And so far, it hasn't been in our city, so even if you don't make it to day two, you can go do other things in the city yeah, exactly because it's right. not, exactly. not in your city. You, you know. know. So... Yeah, no, Nationals is 100% at the top yeah. of my list. So that's it. Yeah. Will you be attending, are you planning on attending any Rotanans, and how are you prepping for them? Oh, so I am definitely attending the Dunedin Road to Nationals. Um, yeah, I'd be a bit concerned if you were. Right, yeah, sorry, sorry, Greg, I would like to cancel my ticket. Refund um, now. <laughs> uh, so far, I'm also planning on attending Christchurch. Cool. Um, just because South Island can drive yeah, up shin, and all not, of that sort of thing. They're the closest, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to be thinking about Nelson, depending on how university lines up for me, just because, yeah. unfortunately, university waits for no TCG. Hopefully, so, yeah. some official <laughs> announcement sooner rather than later. That's the thing. is puts the ticket sales up, so we can get onto that. But. Yep, exactly. Um, and then my prep... Um, so my prep is generally very different to... I know to you guys who have your phenomenal like testing and stuff like that, where you guys get together and you play a lot. Um, well, I'm pretty. <laughs> right now, yeah, yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit tired Probably at the moment. A bit. Yeah, but for me, my play testing is the armory events, yeah. just because I'm, you know, I've I've got to sleep at some point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my my play testing is probably for me just going to be coming into armories changing stuff around knowing me i'll come in with a couple of really stupid decks just mm-hmm. to just to have fun one week take some of the load off and try stuff out and then come back the next week with a serious deck and yeah. have it be demonstrated how how yeah. bad that deck is but improving off of that so yeah i mean i also use armory as like a, a testing ground because you get to play against a variety of decks that you know, they might not be what we've come up as the most optimal decks. Yeah. So mm. it's kind of like a, a wider field of play. Yeah. And, you know, um, usually after a couple of games at an armory, you can work out if your deck is terrible <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah. Generally yeah. speaking, so in our core, core four-man group, I'd say, uh, yeah. most of us, aside from Callum, Callum only plays Ninja, uh, most of us try and play a different <laughs> hero going into the armories. Yeah. Uh, a deck that we think has a shot at being there and we try to give it a shot and uh if we can get yeah. for the armory then we work from there mm. usually usually one of us will play like the meta deck like the current best deck um calm will play agricultural of some yeah. variant <laughs> and there's then, no other variant yeah no Callum, and Callum will Nick bring and I are more of a wild card we'll play whatever yeah we'll mm-hmm. play whatever we feel in on the day really uh, that <laughs> that's in mm. the ratio of being the top three or top five yeah. best decks for the what we think is yeah yeah some, some, sometimes i'll I'll do a bit of cheeky meta shaping. Like, yeah. if everyone's playing aggro, I'll be like, yeah, I'll we'll play Bravo. Yeah. And, and crush some skulls. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So. But that said, uh, going into the Road to Nats, uh, our playtesting time is going to be upped. Uh, there'll be a few messages yeah. going about, probably about that in the next day or two for us. Mm. Yeah, I expect to see us playing a lot. Uh, Saturdays yeah. are probably going to be very busy for us over the next coming weeks. Yeah. Yeah, something that I'm going to find very interesting about the Road to Nationals is how the proliferation of online events really changes the the way that the, you know, gaining an invite to Nationals comes out just because yeah. of the people who can make those online events racking up XP, whereas people who only come yeah. to those online, like, physical armories, you know, have more of a challenge in some ways. So I'm, I'm, I think that's going to be interesting seeing how LSS handles that. Um, yeah. That's going to be an interesting point for me. If um, I think if you're I active do. enough to turn up to one armory per week, you'll make in the top 100 of players in, yeah. in New Zealand. We'll just yeah. have to, to see get, to get how big venue right? is. But I think the plan for most people that are really serious about going is, like, I think the 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 way to give yourself the best shot is to 
you know, practice really hard and try to top eight erode nets. Yeah. I think that's the well, top, 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 top four now. Top four. Top four now. Yeah, yeah. No, is... is it top eight or top four? It's top four? Yeah, it's top four is guaranteed is four? an invitation. Okay. Top four. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah just I, it sounds hard, um, and it is. Yeah. But if you're but the, the XP is, that's for the best way the to go, right? Is still, I think, is still it's... a six-time modifier, right? Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. Yeah, it will be. Which is like the more you attend, the more like you get it. Yeah. Like even you know you win one or two rounds, right? Yeah. You know, yes. Yeah. XP compared to a normal armory yeah. where you're only getting like six XP for like, yeah. four or five rounds. I think, you know? um, you know, in New Zealand it's a smaller issue because most of our events are in person based. But like in the US, say, if most of the events happening are online and you don't have the, the time to do the, t- the time or week. or the equipment to play mm-hmm. online, then I think the best way that you can try and get to Nats is to make sure you can travel to as to try and travel to skirmishes to get that six X uh, multiplier and to travel to your road to nationals. Yeah. You know, just if you want to get to nationals, just play as much as possible and Yeah. You know. Mm. We got to go last year, so hopefully we get to go again, you know? Yeah. But it is no given. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good way to prep it's like our main core group will get hunkered down and we'll smash out decks and we'll we'll test them against certain lists like um the recent Ch- charity chain. event that finished um mm-hmm. yeah. kudos 50 grand the raise for the, cancer, the society. cancer society in new zealand but along with Just... that came out eight top top lists that are you know they're probably not the best best decks in the yeah. in the format or not not, not, just, well, not saying they're not the best know. they're not yeah. Yeah, but there so are a good starts to test against, yeah, right? There are really, days, really right? good starts, yeah. yeah. So, first place went to, to Kira. Yeah. So, you know, fucking well done. Um, <laughs> Mr. Classic. So, he's playing, uh, yeah. he's playing Ninja with Belittles, which is like a deck that a couple of people like down here have actually been playing. Um, so, that's really cool to see. But, yeah. you know, I, I even have Belittle in my uh, in my Bolton deck because that card is sweet. Yeah. Um, and in second place was Warrior. Yeah. So Ninja Warrior Chain and Bravo with a with the decks in the top eight. Yeah. So that's kind of I don't know what you're expecting, but that's kind of what we were expecting. Yeah, yeah that of, was that was pretty much what I think we've come to expect at least since Monarch releasing is mm. Chain obviously coming through in yeah. a big way for being such a new hero. Um, and then obviously, as we know from skirmish and calling and that sort of thing, Ninja Warrior always. Yeah pretty solid options and then mm. it's always good to see bravo i feel like we down in dunedin I think, I don't see him a lot three of the so. four top like, decks were yeah wtr i yeah. think bravo top eighting like kale mcgreath top eighting is like a sign of like if he's not top eighting consistently then yeah. bravo is probably in a really bad place yeah, yeah. You know, he's such a master of that class the problem is is also with him being the only bravo to top eight and him with so much knowledge of bravo underneath his belt of everyone else yeah it can just be a skill thing and not actually a hero thing it could right? be true you know so it could be like false interpretation of actually how the meters go i'm not saying bravo's bad and i'm not saying yeah yeah you know anything bad against any of the top eight players in that that thing but it could be just a show of skill yeah. right it, it is the early... man has an insane amount of skill under yeah. bravo it is it is early days right yeah. um like um but i think seeing... like say for example i was quite surprised by warrior doing so well yeah. I thought Warrior was going to really struggle against Chain and Prism. Mm. In all honesty, but, our pre-earlier predictions were Prism and uh, Warrior out. Yeah. And two but, Warriors in but, with Prism. Well, I mean, yeah. Every time that we predict that Warrior is a dead class, it's never <laughs> dead in this top two. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, um, she's one of the most competitive classes him. for a reason. Yeah. Like, yeah. But Chain being in there, that was a good thing. Yeah. yeah. And Ninja, Ninja's going to be a great class. Good, yeah. It's so uh, Ninja's so malleable. Take it in every direction, and it does well. So yeah. so punishing for a single mistake as well. Yeah, so aggro mid range control. Yeah, but, that's that's one of my least favorite things about going up against a ninja is that for me, it might take a turn or two to get through a decent amount of damage, but if a ninja has a big blowout turn, yeah, that's game over yeah. immediately. Yeah. You just got to predict the big blowout turn. Give up your hand for that big blowout turn, yeah. or, or your fridge for that big blowout turn. Yeah, and then you've got to yeah. wait for your turn because in the Dory versus Ninja matchup, I'm not saying Dory wins at all the time, 
but uh, Dorinthia is favoured because her attacks are like just naturally hit breakpoints really efficiently yeah. for ninja. Yeah. But you can, it's definitely a losable matchup because oh, yeah. the, mm. the ninja player brilliant. can get yeah. really good cards, uh, can draw really good cards, um, and can also have like really big turns. And it's also easy to make mistakes yeah. against them. So I think yeah. for the ninja matchup, you have to be really. Um, you have to be on of, all the time yeah, and a lot of it comes down to your armor yeah. you know how and when you choose to use your armor is kind of like the deciding factor a lot of the time yeah Yeah. so yeah. Yep. yeah something I'm still struggling with but anyone oh, watching I is think everyone does yeah. everyone you know? does yeah. yeah armor you know? is one of the it would be seemingly one of the most simple aspects of the game it's just cards that sit there until you use them but yeah. trying to figure out when and where to use armor is yeah it's I mean, a it's a growing it's a growing pain for sure yeah i mean like armor is like it's like chocolate sitting there you know you want mm-hmm. it you want to eat the chocolate and use it so that you can have your big turn or whatever right yeah. it's always tempting you you go oh well, i could only block with one card in this mm-hmm. you know um it's always tempting you to use your armor and to give it up so you can have your big turns yeah and you have to learn and it's so difficult when to use it. When know? is the right time and when is the wrong time? Yeah, yeah. exactly. When you being too greedy, you know that's and it's so hard to know. Yeah, yeah. sometimes you don't know until you play it, right? Yeah, like, and most most times, like you get it wrong, but you do get it right. When when you get it right, armor is the thing that can win you the game. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I think armor is one of the best designed aspects of Flesh and Blood. Yeah. Just the way it works how it's distributed between the classes um, just adds so much to how the, the how the play works, you know? Yeah. Like, it just influences the game so much as how your armor works. Yeah. Well, that's what's helped me really push forward a super aggressive warrior is just, just the fact just that... Ten armor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in an yeah. ideal situation, I've got what is I lovingly call what is hatefully called by some people, you can just fridge people. Yeah. immediately you just chuck four pieces of equipment in front of any attack that someone is throwing at you and it is yeah. fucking it's, hard to get over it's gone ice, yeah. ice baby <laughs> yeah and that's you know that really does allow me as a more aggressive player to hold on to cards when i probably could have let them go mm. but if i've got that one turn coming up i look at the fridge to the side and you just yeah. chuck that in front it's, of it it's, and it's the problem there. goes away yeah yeah you know yeah. In the top eight, three CMC be gone. Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the top eight, three of those heroes have a fridge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, don't even talk only, to me about only, carrying husk. Yeah. The only hero that doesn't have a fridge in that is it, Ninja. Is Ninja. Yeah. And Ninja one. Which it. speaks to you know the point, the power of the Ninja really yeah. that everything breaks, nothing blocks, and still Ninja comes out on yeah. top. Yeah. Super Just so aggressive, so wide. Yeah. And a single punish on a break point is, is everything. Yeah. I think, like, um, Ninja has the best cards in the game. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, Mask yeah. of Momentum, like, Leak Tap. Mm. Um, flick it just Flack. has Yeah, Flick Flack is a big one. Just has Ninja just has some of the most ridiculous cards in the game, just in terms of raw power level, raw stats, how they interact yep. with each other, you know. Um, Rising Ethrust is zero resource for five attack off a of Leak Tap. Like... <laughs> you know um and i mean they pay for it by having terrible equipment well in, terrible in, in, in terms in terms of blocking power right mm. but they can still get there which yeah. i think is i think it's so cool that the armor is reflected by how the class plays yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah cool so going into that uh testing 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 if you want to test Get some of the lists together and get your friends to play them against your own lists. Yeah. If if you want to take your list to the next level, um, because these are a good testing point. Yeah, yeah. So when starting to test, to, to I mean, a lot of the US players are going to start testing right um, more seriously now. Take some of these lists, build them up, work out which ones you think are the best. You know, don't take them for the results for granted that yeah. Ninja is the best deck. Play test out the matches, out, feel what you Work feel. out what you think is the best deck, and then try and find ways to beat that deck and then yeah. try and find ways to beat those and yeah. then eventually you'll find out with an array of decks and then you just check how often they win against each other yeah. yeah and an important thing to remember as well when you're building out and testing lists is that even a top deck list 
is not always going to mesh with the way you want to play. Exactly. So you can always you can always mess around with deck lists and play and make sure that they fit you. Yeah. And because, it also yeah. also might not fit into your area's meta as well. Yeah. So yeah. you yeah. could be playing, you know, an aggro deck into a control mm. format or a mid-range yeah. deck into a control area and you can just, you know. Yeah, I think, yeah, like talking about like control and mid-range and aggro, I think it's important to find out what kind of player you are mm-hmm. and yeah. you kind of gravitate towards. So to find, if you're, a, if you're like me, kind of a more mid-rangey, controlly kind of player, then... You know, find someone that likes aggro to play against, you know. That's why, why uh, you know, Callum is our aggro player, you know. Yeah. When we come up with an, an idea, we run it through him, and he'll smash it to bits with Ninja until <laughs> until until yeah. we put in the right cards, you know. So I think it's important to have, you know, these kind of almost like institutions in your test group. Yeah, because you know? when you play, you know, when you build a, a, when you build a deck into that control field, like you say, to beat control, and you go into a super aggressive meta at, for example, an American skirmish or a calling event, then you get completely blown out unless you're going into it knowing what your deck can do against that field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, in New Zealand, um, control is really, really popular. Um, You know, Bravo, Dash, control. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm guessing there's going to be new flavors of it coming up. But now the meta is kind of shifting into an aggro meta. Yeah. Um, So it's going to be really interesting to see how some of the top players react to that yeah cool yeah yeah should we move on to card of the week yeah yeah cool. let's go sweet as yeah. so the card of the week today is a classic from the original wraith set <laughs> sigil of solace you two have um, a lot of opinions about this card i have a few yeah um it's a zero cost red card because we're talking about the red card yeah uh it gains you three life it cannot block or defend and cannot attack it's an instant so, when I first saw this card, um, you know, back from my magic days, there's a, there's a card in magic called Healing Salve. It's a white card, costs nothing to play, and it gains you three life. And the card is trash. Terrible. Herald, it was in one of the original sets, and it's heralded as being like one of the worst cards from original magic. So I saw it, and I'm like, well, it's obviously bad too, right? Yeah, exactly, right? We're like, why would I play this in my deck? It doesn't block, doesn't attack. Yeah. It it gains you the same health you get from blocking from a, a normal card. Yeah. So I guess you can explain it to us, Ron. What what is good about Sigil? Yeah, so I personally, generally, love Sigil. It has been in my deck for as long as I can remember, uh, the red one. Um, found out very quickly that the yellow and blue for me are not worth the cardboard that they are printed on. Um, yeah. <laughs> but That's a good thing to know. Yeah, <laughs> but coming into it as Dorinthia, being able to go into matches knowing that my life is six or nine above yeah. what my opponent has gotten me to is very reassuring just to have that balance point. So like a safety net. Exactly. And it's a safety net that doesn't require me to sacrifice in play at least a turn that could be used to benefit, like a, a card that could be used to benefit me. Obviously, having it in the deck does require sacrificing a slot that could be used for something more aggressive. But and this this was seen on my um, skirmish match against Jesse on yeah, Wizard. Well, so, so I think Sigil has like unique application yeah. against Wizard. It really does. Sigil has won me more games against Wizard than I can count. Yeah. It is, for me, no holds barred, the most essential card going into a Wizard matchup as a warrior. A Wizard, a wizard sees an Arsenal card against uh, oppose them and they go, it has to be essential. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no way it's yeah. not. For me, man. the second I see a Sigil, it goes into Arsenal with Wizard and it doesn't come out until they try and kill me. So just like reverse Razor. <laughs> yeah. The only time you it know? comes out is if I see another Sigil in hand and I'm ending my turn and I'm, I'm looking at putting that Sigil into Arsenal and then I go... Yeah. Well, that one can come out, and this one can go in, and then they go, yeah. "Damn it!" Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. With you being a warrior main, like, essential has like another purpose, and then it's it can be an aggressive card. Yeah. You know, it, it might as well be a plus three to your opponent a lot of the time exactly. if, if they're in that headspace. You know. Yeah. So, and that was that was one of the hardest things for me to learn playing sigil yeah. was I used to play sigil like as soon as I got it, if I was low it's life, instant, I would right? I would play <laughs> sigil immediately yeah. and go up, and that was one of the hardest things to learn was that. 
the card is more valuable when it's not being played. Yeah. Like yeah, when it exactly is held right. in hand or when it goes into Arsenal, at least until you end your turn. If you've got something else you want in your Arsenal, fine. Hmm. You know, whatever. But if you don't, Sigil goes in there so, and it yeah. threatens and it just sits until there it comes and, out. Oh, you play your command, you prioritise playing your command and conquer against me because I'm an Arsenal card. Oh, I'm just going to Sigil. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah, water under the bridge, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just so great to, to have those turns, you know. Yeah. You know, they're hoping to pin you with uh, a defense reaction and Arsenal will. Surprise. So it doesn't make it into yep. every deck, but it is a very good card, very yeah. versatile, and can go into every yeah. deck. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. I just want to say that um, Sigil's an interesting card in that it's, like, in my opinion, its role has changed. Mm-hmm. Where Sigil used to be in a lot of decks. Like, you'd play it in Ninja, you'd play it in Warrior, you'd play it in Bravo, you, you'd fit it into your dash decks as well. You'd play it in pretty much everything, right? Unless your deck really didn't want it. Because it was kind of a filler card, yeah. you know? Yeah. You didn't have anything else that screamed out, I want to put it in, so you put Sigil in there. Now, kind of similar to E-Strike as well, actually. And now um, now that there are better cards available with Crucible of War and you know, Monarch cards as well, Sigil's seeing a lot less play. And um, I mean, it's amazing in Blitz, but classic construction. Um, and I think it's just because it's, people want to make their decks more focused. Yeah. And Sigil doesn't really do that. It it doesn't advance your game plan, you know? Yeah. It is what it says on the can. It's a generic it's, instant. It's three life, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that doesn't help if you want to discard six plus attacks. Exactly. Or banish cards. You know, <laughs> oh, like... I banish a Sigil? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not only do I not get to do what I want to do, you also lose three, three life. life. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? And it just yeah. it just doesn't fit, you know. The opportunity cost of a card is a lot higher now than it was back in the day, you know? Yeah. It also doesn't buff your attack by three, so it's not making it into warrior. <laughs> and it also doesn't swing for four with go again, so mm. I mean no league deck. Warrior Warrior yeah. is still one of the decks I think where it has a lot of potential. It does, yeah. yeah. Um but I can see it falling out of favour in Bravo. Just because the Bravo wants more sideboard cards yeah. mm-hmm. for those really tricky matchups, you know, like I think just as the game gets bigger, Sigil is going to have a smaller place in the game. But at the same time, it has a unique function that not many other cards can do. Where I can see a, a very dedicated place for it in the future. Mm. Yeah. You know, like if there's a class that's focused on gaining life or yeah, or something like that. You know. Yeah. No, for me, Sigil is and always will be one of the first cards that I put mm. into a warrior deck, mm-hmm. you know, 90% of the time. Yeah. There, there may come a time where it just doesn't fit anymore, where the meta shifts to be much yeah. more defensive or much more aggressive, and I can't sacrifice I think, those card um, slots. I but... think the, the reason Sigil is going to struggle in warrior maybe in the future is not because the meta is going to be more defensive. Sigil is great in defensive decks that yeah. can be aggressive. So... Like, that's why it's threatening the plus three, but it's actually defensive. It's when the decks become more aggressive that Sigil is harder to play, yeah. I think. Because you want just more aggressive cards, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sigil will always have a home in Blitz. Cause yeah. As long as Kano, as long as Kano yeah. exists As long as Kano's good, and as long as Iris is Sigil good, is in there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Sigil, you know, there have been Death many a time... Good. Yeah, where Sigil <laughs> is the thing that gets the kill it's, on with it. It's so good or... that you play the yellow yeah. one sometimes. So, you know? I, I couldn't I do think... that for me. I mean, when if you play I played like, in hard like control, Iron, right? yeah, basically it. Mm. Maybe it's not uh, into a deck, I played it from a deck control, like certain mm. builds. Yeah. But it may be a KO list, but like a control KO list. But outside of that, it doesn't really. Yellow doesn't really make it into yeah. too many other lists. It doesn't, yeah, it's more niche. Yeah. But yes. Red Sigil is just in yeah. Blitz. It's, top of the top. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah you draw a turn yeah. one, you're like, yeah, I'll start this game on 23 mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. You draw both of them turn one, you're like... Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> the cool. only instance where Sigil of Solace is a dead card is obviously, uh, what is it, the Reaping Blade? Yes, if yeah. you're higher life. Yeah, that's the only time where Sigil of Solace, I see it in my hand and I just... Uh, it does nothing. Yeah, makes yeah. me sad. But in that case, it's always, you can patch it away and come back to it if you're ever lower or 
If mm. you're really desperate, you just get rid of it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Cool. Uh, so um, we had um, an exciting giveaway going on over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. so uh, not last week, the week before on our podcast, we announced that we were going to be giving away a mat. Yeah, and we have a winner, right? We have a winner. So just show off the, the show off beautiful the mat. mat. So the mat is the limited edition, or not, or not limited edition because I keep printing it. It's <laughs> <laughs> a no longer limited edition. Tunic, yeah. tunic mat, which is huh. an amazing mat, and it was kindly donated by a sushi night. We mm-hmm. do have a few others to give away, and we will be giving them away at some point. Uh, further down the track, we'll probably be working out something with them and maybe other things, but we thought we'd give one of these away while we have one to, yep. to give away. And... Have you got the winner there, Nick? I do. I just got to open it. Um, yeah. So I chose this winner based on their, their comment. Um, their name is Wookie, capital K, capital X. Um, they wanted to know, uh, they, they found the, the news that we announced in that podcast pretty exciting, and they wanted to know how the middle was going to change cool. over the period of time. And uh, I felt like, uh, you know, they, they, they really enjoyed the podcast and wanted to actually understand the game a lot more yeah and i thought you know someone that's that keen on the game deserves something you know yeah definitely so um yeah um we will message you yeah we'll message you and get your details and get this sent out to you yep um congratulations yeah Yeah. definitely it's a really really lovely mat yeah and the classic sushi night style as well it is i love seeing a sushi mat sushi night mat because you know where it comes from even without the branding yeah. yeah yeah um yeah really great design and so yeah um in other news um we have started a new series as well um it's called art of war go again and it's more it's a very different uh, it's very different to the podcast the idea is that it's going to be a gameplay series but instead of just playing the game we want to show it more as like a testing kind of play so the idea is that we play the games against each other but we're not looking to like seriously beat the opponent or or play it in such a way but more as like a learning experience where sometimes we talk about what we show what cards we have we talk about the different lines how best to play it we go through um the sideboarding um how we want to play the matchup all that kind of things and we're going to have multiple people on playing multiple different decks and i think it's going to be a really cool way to up your gameplay yeah so keep an eye out for those because those will be getting Drop like a hot, hot fire. Yeah, gonna have a few up. Featuring. I don't know why is it that. You, you're saying there, Nick. Hot yeah. fire. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. It is out of all go again. Hot fire. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we've got a few with um, Liam and I um, playing. We'll have some up with Nick as well. Um, shortly. We'll Callum in there. And we'll get a few other people in yeah, there as definitely. well. Yeah, definitely. So um, and we will also have more uh, deck techs coming along. Um, so you know, if something win- interesting wins Armory. We'll, we'll get them to have a deck tech. Um, you, we had my chain, Lemna chain one, go up, which has been really successful. So we want to definitely do more of, more of that stuff. So I think that's going to be really cool. So yeah, lots of stuff up and coming. Yeah. We'll yeah. have Callum joining the podcast shortly as well. So. Yeah, yeah. 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 Not too long now. Very exciting news. <laughs> yeah, yeah so there's, there's lots Mr. going Forrester on. Mr. Forrester will make his appearance. <laughs> what's going on in um, a Dice Jar Games yeah. you know, studio at this point? <laughs> well, Dunedin's the place to be for premier flesh and blood content. That's, so. that's the idea, right? Yeah. 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 Just, Pretty awesome to be at the mecca of it right now. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, the goal is to be the flesh and blood content, you know, house. You know, yeah. That's, 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 what we that's want. the plan. Yeah. So... Make sure you follow, like, leave a comment. Massive I mean, thanks to you, Rowan, for yeah, coming on. Yeah, massive thanks. Yeah, great to have absolutely. you. Absolutely. You've been absolutely great. Um, um, very informative. Um, yeah. It's yeah. good to actually get a female's perspective on the game. Not a lot of people, you know. Yeah, well, the, like, that's the thing, right, is I've met some phenomenal women players of flesh and blood and even, like, even more like gender-diverse players of flesh and blood, so it's great to see that kind of taking root in a new yeah. game as well and being in it from the start so yeah. to any new players as well who might be a bit intimidated getting into yeah. it it's try, take it from someone who came into it thinking it was going to be intimidating as hell mm. lost every game i played for months and has ended up on a flesh and blood podcast 
that yeah. you know losing isn't the end it's only the start of a new journey yeah. exactly so. right like yeah. yeah the person learns more from the 10 games they lose than the, the game 10 games they win right 100 yeah. percent, right because easily every time obviously over. if you're winning 10 games in a row you're not versing someone that challenges mentally if you're mm-hmm. losing 10 games in a row someone is smarter than you and you know you can you have a lot to learn from them yeah, yeah. cool yeah all right should we end like off? comment and subscribe yeah thank you very much for watching out of war yeah, yeah. see you next time see you next time thanks guys Thank you.